Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Hey everyone, welcome to the show and I hope you are having a great day as we are kicking off spring. And let me tell you, on the East Coast and Midwest, people are really excited to say they're kicking off spring with right now. I still see snow out there, although it's mostly melted. So I hope you're off to a great day great spring and have passed all of this winter weather and i i want to tell you oh my goodness i'm so excited we have 17 countries tuned into this show and uh, you've heard me say this on many shows but one of our largest audiences is in ireland so guess what ireland i'm I've never told you this. I'm 5% Irish, so you must have known that. That's why you're listening. Hey, really, keep up the great work. Keep telling people, you know, the only way we can teach people, businesses, organizations, and people with disabilities in general about quality of life is through some form of media. And I'm excited to tell you, I've been on Voice America for over 18 years, and that means we have a plethora of history, um, and, and to me, that is so awesome. Special thanks to Highmark, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Highmark Health. Highmark Health is the lead sponsor of Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. They are the lead sponsor. And one of the other sponsors is AudioEye. So thank you, AudioEye. And you know what? Highmark just continues to be awesome. Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania, where I'm headquartered, has launched a new program. And this new program relates to supplier diversity. And what has happened is a corporation chooses a company that is owned by someone with diversity, and they are the mentor, we are the protege, to help us learn how to deal with the state government. And I'm very honored to be mentored by Highmark. It's just amazing how many things this company has done. And... Special shout out, Yoshiko. Don't think I forgot you, Yoshiko Dart. Yoshiko, guess where I'm going April 8th? I'm going to Japan through the U.S. State Department as an expert on the employment of people with disabilities. And I know you will be getting in touch with me to let me know about all those independent living centers and disability rights groups and Hey, I'm so excited and honored to be going. So, you know, I was talking about Governor Wolf's new initiative, which is, as I mentioned, supplier diversity. And wouldn't you know that our guest today is the a head of supplier diversity and senior vice president at Wells Fargo. But before I introduce her, I want to just tell you, you know how you meet someone and you immediately like them? You know, from when I first met Regina Hayward, I immediately liked her. 
She is just, how could I say this? A good person. That's what I will say. She is a good person. And it is my pleasure to have one of my favorite people on the show today. So Regina Hayward, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Joyce. I wish you could see me. I am smiling from ear to ear. I'm just so pleased to be with you and your listeners on today's program, and I appreciate the invitation. And we're going to have a great conversation as we talk through this landscape of supplier diversity and how we're including people with disabilities within our supply chain management organizations. And just want to share a little bit more with you about me. So I so appreciate this opportunity, and I look forward to being with you today. Well, let's start about you. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know how you first your journey to this destination. So why don't you tell our listeners about you? And once again, Regina Hayward, Senior Vice President, Head of Supplier Diversity, Vice Chair of the Board of the USBLN, and she works for Wells Fargo. Go ahead. Well, you know, Joyce, just to to tell a little bit about myself, I've been in corporate America now for 18 years. Uh, When I say that, it just sounds remarkable to me that so much time has passed because there's just been 18 years of contributing to others and really helping significant brands like Wells Fargo to achieve more and more in the areas of supply chain management and supplier diversity and ultimately to uh, solidify their positions within within the community. Um, as I started my career, interestingly, I am a licensed attorney. And so right out of law school, I started in private practice and had some experiences there that led me into corporate America. My first corporate role was back with General Electric. I um, worked within GE's commercial finance business and then GE Healthcare. And quickly from there, began to get opportunities to really expand my leadership and management Uh, within other corporate organizations. And so uh, I moved from Jupiter, Florida, down where there was a lot of sunshine with GE Healthcare, up to uh, Richmond, Virginia, and joined a forest packaging company called Mead West Vaco. That was just a very significant move for me because as Mead West Vaco was expanding their operations outside of the domestic United States, I had an opportunity to work in global areas like Asia, Latin America, over in Western Europe, in the Netherlands, in Austria, in Germany. And by doing that, my view of the world was expanded. Uh, I not only have a deep appreciation for contracts and for terms and conditions and for risk management, but I've seen and really had an opportunity to work on a global stage such that I've been able to bring uh, kind of a perspective around third parties and I understand how important suppliers are within a corporate ecosystem. And with that, as I moved through my career, uh, I started getting opportunities to really serve in leadership roles around diversity. And, you know, I I joke with people and say, I never anticipated that my career was going to have a diversity and inclusion focus. But I'm so glad that it does because of the global experience and the management experience and the risk and compliance experience. I really bring a perspective into diversity and inclusion that's very much business case oriented and very much business value oriented. And so what I'm doing now at Wells Fargo, I joined this organization in 2014, and I was just so impressed with the team members here at Wells Fargo, the commitment to helping our customers succeed financially, 
the way the company had a deep commitment to D&I. In fact, diversity and inclusion is a part of Wells Fargo's vision and values. And so it's just right up front as the business is making its decisions on a day-to-day basis. And when the opportunity presented itself for me to come over to Wells Fargo, I really took time to, to talk to leaders over here to understand what the, co- the corporation aspired to do um, around diversity to make sure that it was a type of cultural fit for me that would allow me to have just a continued prosperous um, career. And boy, I tell you what, I not only found that in Wells Fargo, but what we have been able to achieve here um, as a team since 2014 has just been absolutely phenomenal in the supplier diversity space. So I'm going to share a bit of that with you. Uh, and uh, as I stated, um, as my leadership roles have expanded, I've also had some opportunities to work with some really great nonprofit organizations. So I joke and say in my spare time, I serve on the board of directors for organizations like the U.S. Business Leadership Network, um, the advisory council for several um, diverse uh, magazines, um, and also really try to turn and give back to colleges and universities who have supply chain management um, programs like Clark Atlanta, North Carolina A&T, um, and others. So I am uh, consuming my time. I'm certainly in this space of diversity and inclusion and really enjoying the progress that we're making here at Wells Fargo. Oh, that is awesome. I have to tell you, Regina, I never knew about – uh, your background as as uh, an attorney, and that so impressed me. You know, no surprise because you're really a smart person. But so awesome to have someone with a law degree in the position that you're in. Um, you know, for Wells Fargo. So, um, how about Wells Fargo? Let's talk about Wells Fargo. I know they're much larger than a lot of people would think they are. So, how large is the bank, and what services do you provide? Yeah. So, when we think about Wells Fargo and company, you know, it's a diversified community-based financial services company, and and as I stated. Wells Fargo's vision is to satisfy our customers' financial needs and help them succeed financially. The company dates all the way back to 1852, headquartered in San Francisco, and provides uh, just a suite of financial services. You know, one one stat that might be really interesting to our listeners is that we have more than 8,300 locations um, across the country. Yeah, when it comes to commercial finance and and we look at our internet banking and our mobile banking, about 42 countries we're operating in now um, to help our customers conduct business uh, globally. Um, We have 13,000 ATMs. That is just uh, amazing when I think about it. Oh, my God. It's really um, impressive when we think about people with disabilities. All of our ATMs have voice instructions in English, and Spanish. Um, the ATMs also have speech output capabilities. We have talking ATM earphones, Y adapters, uh, and these things are provided to our customers free of charge. And so I think that's just a really uh, exciting point of how Wells Fargo is internalizing accessibility within our uh, business operations. Um, when I come to work every day, I'm one of 263,000 Wells Fargo team members, and I love that we call ourselves team members because that really gets to the way that we show up in our community uh, as a team. We call it a one Wells Fargo approach to to the community. Um, Just some other things that I think about that might be uh, interesting to to the audience, we participate in the Disability Equality Index, and that uh, that DEI is um, 
facilitated by the U.S. Business Leadership Network, and I know we're going to talk about that organization uh, in just a moment. But to participate in that benchmarking effort really allows us to look across our business at how we are hiring our team members, how we're procuring our goods and services, um, some of the products and um, extensions to customers like our ATMs. It really helps us to get a really good benchmark of where we are, but more importantly, where we need to be um, in accessibility. So a really um, great company. I'm over in Charlotte, North Carolina, so very fortunate to be uh, on the East Coast side of the the Wells Fargo organization, along with uh, over 20,000 other Wells Fargo team members who are in Charlotte. And uh, I often joke in my career, I've done a few corporate moves, but when I had the opportunity to come to Charlotte and realize that all sports were represented here, I was in. So I'm a pretty big (laughs) sports fan, and it's amazing what goes into our decisions to to locate to a certain place. But I'm really, really pleased with Charlotte. In fact, caught the Charlotte Hornets and the New York Knicks last night in a very close game at at the Spectrum Center. So really excited to be in Charlotte. Oh, you are a sports fan. There you go. Something I learned about you. Well, I'll tell Mm -hmm. you, Regina, I'm headquartered in Pittsburgh, and I always tell people, if you interview for a job, make sure you know who the Pittsburgh Penguins, Pittsburgh Steelers, (laughs) and Pittsburgh Pirates are if you want to move ahead. Uh, But uh, that that is uh, a beautiful area. Uh, Charlotte, and and really has been a growing area, so I can see why you like that. Regina, you must be in Japan then, Wells Fargo. So, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if we have a operation there. In fact, what I'll I'll share with you is that our team has really been working very closely with our operations in India uh, and in the Philippines, and I certainly do have touch points uh, with Japan. I've well, I flew through Nagoya several times uh, back in previous roles, and I did hear you say that you are about to head over, so look forward to, to hearing how your trip goes and certainly wishing you the best on that, but that's just very, very exciting to hear about your global travels. Yes, what happens is the embassy in a country contacts the U.S. State Department in this case, for an expert on the employment of people with disabilities. And then they call me and ask me if I will go. And something must be happening in Asia because uh, I've now been to South Korea twice, again, at the request of their embassy, uh, and to Indonesia, same thing. And boy, when you go to these other countries, you know, you see what Uh people are going through uh, who are in total abject poverty. Uh, so I won't be surprised either because you're so, so large. So mm-hmm. um, you've talked about a little bit about it, but at Wells Fargo as the senior vice president and head of supplier diversity, because some of our listeners don't understand what that is. Mm-hmm. Could you explain what your role is there? Sure. will. so when we think about supplier diversity, I like to call what we do uh, a strategy because it's very much aligned with the businesses focus on ensuring not only that we are inclusive uh, as far as the organizations um, through which we purchase goods and services, but it's also a key component in ensuring that our supply chain is competitive, that we're meeting our regulatory requirements, and ultimately that we are showing up in the communities in which our customers 
uh, are, are located and looking for goods and services from Wells Fargo. So in the world of supplier diversity, what we do is we scope out uh, different segments of the population that we want to be very intentional about ensuring that we're doing business with. And our scope includes people with disabilities. It includes veterans, uh, LGBT, women, minorities, and individual businesses that would be considered small, according to the Small Business Association, excuse me, the Small Business Administration's um, size table. So with that, we, we sit down and really evaluate how is the corporation doing in this space? Literally, how much are we spending each year from a dollar's perspective? And how invested are we in building technical capacity and know-how within the diverse business community? We not only look at how we're doing, we also know that our peers, uh, within our peer group, we're talking about uh, top-tier banks and financial institutions. We look at how our peers are performing in supplier diversity, and we really ask the question as an industry, you know, how are we moving forward to ensure that the technology firms that we are procuring services from, the marketing services firms, the consultants, the uh, lawyers that we're using within our operations are representative of a diverse segment of individuals. And so as an industry, we really get together and share best practices around things like uh, how we're doing supplier development and how we are focused on growing spend. And so what I've been seeing over the years, and I'm just going to use 2014 as kind of a, a baseline year, I'm seeing more banks focus on being inclusive within their supply chain organizations and translating that inclusion into actual dollars spent. So just to give you a perspective of that, since 2014, Wells Fargo has added over $446 million in uh, diversity spend to our overall total. We now uh, spend $1.27 billion a year with diverse businesses. And when I think about that number, that, that's a really big number, but we have still set even um, higher goals for ourselves. And that's because we're looking at the demographic shifts that are happening primarily in the United States where we see the numbers of women-owned businesses growing. We see millennials starting uh, small businesses at a very fast pace. We see the numbers of minority businesses when you cut that by Hispanic-owned businesses, African-American, Native American, Asian-owned businesses, we're just seeing and we're experiencing in the U.S. Um, a really strong pipeline of growth within diverse businesses. And so when I talk about supplier diversity, again, it's certainly about making sure that our organizations reflect the communities that we serve, but it's also about ensuring that we're able to capture the ideas, the creativity, the, the innovation, the know-how of these new businesses and these growing businesses to help our, our organization to succeed. And so what happens within the work that I do and the work that my team does, we are facing the Wells Fargo, we call them lines of business, and we're working with each one of those um, businesses within our company to really understand what their short and long-term uh, strategic plans are for their business, where they may need third parties, to fulfill um, their needs for goods and services. We're canvassing the marketplace through relationships with organizations like USBLN and others to identify qualified diverse businesses. And then we are helping those businesses to go through our procurement process. And, and you know about the procurement process. It can be uh, a pretty challenging endeavor to understand what are the requirements of this deal. 
How do I negotiate the terms and conditions of this contract? What sort of regulatory requirements do I need to meet in order to uh, even be able to participate, um, say, on a request for a proposal for an organization like Wells Fargo? So my team really worked on that development piece, and we worked very, very closely with our supply chain management team as well to ensure that we are ushering through a diverse mix of suppliers. The other thing that I'll just share um, with you, Joyce, is what I call technical capacity building and supplier development. Wells Fargo has a very unique approach to supplier diversity in that we are investing over a million dollars a year through organizations like USBLN, through um, TUP, through uh, the program up at Dartmouth, through organizations like Stanford, their uh, Latino Business Action Network partnership there focused on uh, Latino businesses. We're out in the marketplace focused on helping diverse businesses to grow and scale because it's really, in my view, kind of a two-part opportunity. If Wells Fargo wants to see its diversity spend increase, what we have to make sure of is that we have the capacity in the marketplace and we have firms that are capable of, of meeting our needs. And so we're constantly working on this thing. We're kind of burning the candle from, from both ends to ensure that we're not only fulfilling the needs of the business today, but we are also thinking about those needs of the business going forward and we're cultivating um, a great pipeline of diversity businesses to, to help us succeed and to help us win for the long term. Yeah, that is so awesome. And, you know, there was a time, Regina, that disability was not included. There was supplier diversity and then off to the side mm-hmm. was disability. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that you have seen that. And um, I'm just so happy that things have changed. Absolutely. Yeah, Joyce, and, and, and I have to credit you for your leadership and, and other business leaders like yourself who've really come forward and helped corporate America understand the need and really understand, hey, we want to, to partner and we can bring the value that any other company can bring within your supply chain organization. And I feel like it's that advocacy and it's that influence and it's that, that, that very business-minded approach that we have taken to inclusion that um, has helped us to, to really get this on the agenda. And, and we participate with so many other great brands who are as committed as Wells Fargo is. And so, you know, it's one of the areas that I think we've got to continue to, to push on, and we've got to continue to hold ourselves uh, accountable and make sure that we're holding our organizations accountable for being uh, inclusive. And so we look at every category uh, across the business that we're spending in, We've also had the great fortune of bringing in a resource, Kathy Martinez, who um, has a great track record in uh, disability inclusion and disability advocacy. And I've wor- been working with Kathy now since she joined Wells Fargo on a number of initiatives, and she, she knows that I'm one of her, her biggest uh, supporters, just to ensure that we are working again as a team to ensure that the company stays, stays very focused on disability inclusion. And, and we know that's very important in corporate America. So I thank you for your, for your leadership, and I, I really do thank the whole Wells Fargo team, uh, in addition to Kathy Martinez, for helping us to orient around this work. 
Yeah, thank you. I just want to say to all of our listeners, if you're hearing this and you're saying, wait a minute, is that the same Kathy Martinez that was the Assistant Secretary (laughs) of the Office of Disability Employment Policy? Yes, it is. So Kathy went from ODEP, as we refer it, in the Department of Labor, to Wells Fargo. So, uh, you know, when Regina is saying they have a good person, they really have a great person. And with that, hey, we have a new offering for all of our listeners that I am absolutely so excited about, and that is on every show on the half hour, we are going to give you an Advocacy Matters update and what a thrill it is to have Perry Jude Radisic who is with the Pennsylvania Disability Rights Network and is known nationally for her work. Uh, And by the way, I'm very honored to serve on this board. Perry Jude, are you with us? I am, Joyce. Uh, Thanks for having me and uh, great show today. Great show. Thank you. So, hey, what's going on? We want on every show all of our listeners to know from a policy or advocacy uh, you know, situation, what's happening, because people frequently call in and ask. So can you give us an update? A- absolutely. Uh, nothing is more important than the, our right to vote. And as you know, advocacy matters, and so does our vote. So yesterday, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf held a press conference. And yesterday he introduced his uh, voting reforms. He calls it the 21st century voting reform plan for Pennsylvania. But it's not just about Pennsylvania. Uh, these uh, Governor Wolf had joined other policy leaders across the country, and, and these leaders are looking for ways to change policies that have been making voting difficult, not just for people with disabilities, but for everybody. And we know for, for us, for people with disabilities, our voting rights, are built on a sequence of federal and state laws that are meant to give us full participation in the electoral process. But what we know is that polling places are still not accessible, accessible voting machines still break down, and we still have these guardianship laws in some states that disenfranchise individuals with disabilities. So the reforms that Governor Wolf outlined yesterday, like same-day automatic voter registration, modernizing absentee voting, these kinds of reforms, along with stronger enforcement of our rights, are needed to remove barriers that make voting difficult for us. So last week, Congress passed an omnibus appropriations bill. And included in that funding bill Congress gave $380 million to enhance election technology and to make election security a priority. This money is going to go to the U.S. Election Assistance Commission, and it's going to be granted out to all the secretaries of states across the country. Every state, Joyce, can apply for this money. And I expect this money to be used to upgrade voting machines and increase the security of our voter registration systems and even conduct voter education. 
And what's important for people with disabilities is that as we move into the midterm elections, you may hear your communities talk about this money, talk about expanded access to absentee ballots, increase election security, and purchase new voting machines. So these are welcome changes as long as disability advocates are at the table to help drive decisions around which machines are going to be selected by our communities. So remember, Joyce, advocacy matters, and so does our vote. Oh, that is awesome. Mm -hmm. Perry Jude Radisick, thank you so much for that update. And Perry, you want to tell them your website? Absolutely. You can find out more information about this and other policy matters and advocacy matters at uh, disabilityrightspa.org. That's disabilityrightspa.org. Yeah, and don't forget to make a donation. Hey, thanks so much, Perry, and we will look forward to your update next week. Absolutely, and thanks, Wells Fargo, for all you do. Absolutely, thank you. Well, Regina, you know what people of color went through with the voting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, I think about the the advocacy matters piece, and I think it's just so crucial to have uh, voices and to have people really banding together. Um, you're right. I am from Thomasville, Georgia, so I am from southern Georgia. Uh, both my parents uh, have uh, been a part of the civil rights movement. And just thinking about uh, not only the stories that they have shared, but how uh, much work there is still to be done, I think it's just uh, very, very powerful that we continue to work together. And so I know we're going to talk a little bit about USBLN, but I think it's so great to have organizations like USBLN and AAPD and others who are continuing to provide platforms to keep these very important issues at the forefront of our conversations. And so absolutely look forward to to sharing more on that. All right. Well, I met Regina at the USBLN, and I can't think of a better person to have in a leadership role for the board and for the organization. Uh, I just feel she'll continue to take it to another level. So, Regina, you serve as the vice chair of the USBLN. Explain to our listeners what the USBLN is. Well, 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 Joyce, I'm excited to be able to share a little bit about USBLN because I'm going to try to to leave behind some information for our listeners here. And so I'm going to put this this uh, acronym out, D-O-B-E, and it stands for DOBE, uh, but uh, we define that acronym as Disability-Owned Business Enterprises. And when I think about what's happening at Wells Fargo around supplier diversity, USBLN is one of our major partners that helps to connect our organization with certified disability-owned business enterprises, or DOBEs. But USBLN is much more than that. It's a business-to-business national membership organization. It has local affiliates, and uh, we we share best practices, and we help to uh, develop proven strategies to include people with disabilities in the workplace, the supply chain, and the marketplace. It's amazing that uh, the organization has over 130 corporate partners, and so we get to work closely with other partners from Marriott and CVS and Starbucks and even some of our peer banks, J.P. Morgan and others, within this this USBLN organization. Uh, one of the things that I really 
like about USBLN is that they're providing tools. I mentioned the Disability Equality Index. Well, that's a really great benchmarking tool that our organization uses to, to baseline our performance in disability equality and really look at how we're operating as against uh, best-in-practice uh, requirements that we're seeing from other companies. And there are lots of awards and recognitions that come along with being one of the top-performing companies uh, on the DEI. But some other things that we're using our USBLM relationship to do, and that's to identify talent. Uh, as we go to the USBLN conference and we're participating in other activities across the country, we're bringing along with us our Wells Fargo recruiting team, and we're bringing along with us uh, members from our marketing group and our diversity and inclusion team. Back to that one Wells Fargo approach to to how we uh, how we do business and interact within our community. But because of that, um, I personally have witnessed. Um, people with disabilities receive job offers to come into to Wells Fargo. In fact, I received a note about two weeks ago from a young man who's joining our IT security team, and we met him at the USBLN conference. And so you can't imagine how I sat in my office and just sent out a few notes to other leaders and was just really, really excited about the connectivity, about the synergistic relationship that we have with USBLN, and then more personally, about the opportunity that our organization has to have a very dynamic person who is so well qualified join our IT security team. So really excited about that. Now, I said DOBE stands for Disability Owned Business Enterprise. But now I have to tell you, I have my own definition of that acronym that I like to share, and I say DOBE stands for Doing Outstanding Business with Excellence. Because oh, I like truly, that. I, I oh, like yes. that one. I like that name, Regina. I hey. like that. <laughs> I might have coined one. So, Dobie, and I'm going to give it doing outstanding business with excellence because that's exactly how we got to that. Really thankful for USBLN, as you mentioned. I had the opportunity this year to serve as vice chair along with our, our chair and uh, the president of USBLN, Jill Houghton, and her team. And it's just been a pleasure. I've learned a whole lot from the experience. I certainly can bring uh, my financial background as well as my legal background into my role on the board of directors and just really pleased at the way that organization continues to grow and expand and how much collaboration we have within, uh, within the group with other uh, corporations who value diversity and inclusion and disability advancement uh, as strongly as Wells Fargo does. Uh, I just have to... You know, I just have to tell you, I love the USB online conference. It is phenomenal. And I mean, you're not going to believe this, listeners, but so about two years ago, uh, Jill Houghton, who is this dynamic CEO, had to turn away, I think it was like 250 people. I know this is hard to imagine, but do you know that every year it gets bigger and bigger and bigger? You know, the attendees, uh, it gets larger. And I am telling you, I talk to people and like they are gung-ho about the USBLN. I'm in companies. Oh, I can't wait. I love the USBLN conference. Can't wait to go. And that thing that Regina talked about, the DEI, the Uh Disability Quality, companies are actually competitive that they won a high score. 
they want to be the 80 to 100. Uh, I mean, you cannot, if you don't go to this conference, you're a business person, you are missing out because these are leaders from Microsoft to Wells Fargo to IBM to uh, um, UTC to mm -hmm. Northrop Grumman. I mean, really across the board. And here we go. Uh, I know PNC and Northrop Grumman both send you know, a contingency, uh, I know Northrop Grumman's is enormous, but you know what? If you want to meet other companies hiring people with disabilities or using, wait a minute, doing outstanding business with excellence, otherwise known as the Dobies. And by the way, I was one of the very first certified disability-owned business enterprises otherwise known as doing outstanding business yes. with excellence. And you know what? I talk about that everywhere I go mm -hmm. in, in mm -hmm. supplier diversity. Even when I received this honor of being a protege to Highmark in mm -hmm. Governor Wolf's new launched initiative for diversity in small business organizations, that's one of the first things I told them. I was certified by the USB online. So if you're listening and you're a small business with a, you know, owned by CEO with a disability, like you all know, I live with epilepsy. You know what? This is really good for you because a lot of small businesses, they have no idea how to connect with supplier diversity. And mm -hmm. this is how you learn how to connect with supplier diversity. Don't you agree with that, Regina? I completely agree, Joyce, and, and just your experience of, of being on that leading edge of receiving your certification and getting in and working with corporate America and cultivating relationships now that you have had for multiple years and that you're continuing to take deeper and deeper within uh, within your offerings, that to me is the power of, of USBLN. And what I didn't mention as well, when we think about, you know, someone like yourself who is just absolutely a pivotal, I'm going to say rock star within, within the space, I also think about the next generation and how USBLN is really cultivating a group of rising leaders and, you know, helping to influence and helping them to kind of move through their journey into becoming prosperous entrepreneurs and, and corporate leaders through innovative programs and networking and then face-to-face -face meetings during the USBLN conference. So when you say it's one of the most empowering uh, ways to spend your time, I absolutely agree with you. I walk away uplifted. I walk away with a list of actions. Uh, I walk away touching base with other executives across our company and hearing feedback just well-rounded that, hey, this is, this is worth our time. So I certainly would put the call out to, uh, to any of, of my corporate peers or those who may be thinking about engaging. Uh, let's see, this year's conference is going to be in, uh, in Las Vegas over at the Cosmopolitan July 9th through the 12th, so just a wonderful opportunity to, to get involved and to experience uh, that which uh, Joyce and I have shared as a, a wonderfully positive and uh, just a great move uh, through that uh, USBLN conference. Oh, you'll love it. And if, uh, if you go to usbln.org, you will see the conference registration. Uh, and once again, if you're a business leader or a person with a disability or someone with a disability that owns a small business, you really, this is worth it. Uh, 
this is really worth it. The network you will gain, the opportunities. I mean, I cannot encourage you enough. Regina is right how she's describing it. So don't forget usbln.org. So Regina, you know, as I said, I liked you from uh, when I met you, but you obviously, in addition to being a business leader, because you're including disability, you're all about civil rights, which I can uh-huh. see why from what you just told our listeners earlier about your family. Uh, but everyone has a role model. Everyone has someone, whether they're in business or in their personal life now or in history, whatever it is, everyone has a role model uh, that has created this uh-huh. persona. So how about you? Who is your role model? So I'm going to call my role models my dad and mom, and I have to thank them so much because they they are individuals of deep faith. They're committed to their family. Um, they formed a foundation for my sisters and I. I am one of four girls, and my dad was a football coach, and he just didn't tell me early on that I couldn't be a football player, so I kind of grew up thinking, hey, at some point I'm going to get to play football. But I I joke about that because it's why I'm so passionate about sports today. Um, But a lot of what he instilled into me was around teamwork. And a lot of what my mom was really focused on with me was around character and uh, building integrity and working with honesty. And more importantly, both of them had a passion for caring for others. And within my household, that was what truly mattered. And I've just taken that with me over the past 18 years um, from great companies that I've been with to major deals that I've had an opportunity to, to be a part of to significant budgets and teams that I've had an opportunity to manage. I've always oriented back to what those two role models taught me and instilled in me, commitment, education, character, integrity, uh, honesty. And so for that, I really thank them. And to your point about civil rights, um, Joyce, I think about the time and the, 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 the period in which they came up. Um, my mom was from Birmingham, Alabama, so she certainly was uh, a witness to some of the things that were happening within that environment uh, as she was growing up. My dad was from southern Georgia, and same thing with him. He He was able to share with my sisters and I experiences that he had and opportunities that he didn't have that he wanted us to have as he was coming up. And so I really orient back to them, and whenever I think things are getting a little bit hard or I get a little bit tired, you know, I think about them, and it gives me just the internal drive to keep going. I feel a bit like I'm I'm bearing the torch um, for them, and I'm so super proud that they made the decisions that they made uh, to just make sure that my sisters and I were able to uh, experience just a better version of life than even they had the opportunity to experience. And so for that, uh, I'm very, very thankful uh, to have dad and mom as my role models. Yeah, what great role models. And I mean, they weren't in like an easy state during the civil rights. If they were in, oh my God, Alabama and then Georgia. So if you've read the history of, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. and the Civil Rights Movement, they were right there in it. So I, they saw, they saw what it was like 
Exactly. And so, yeah, and and so my hats off to them. That's for sure. So Regina, when I, as I told you, I had no idea you going to law school and work for all these companies, and I thought, wow, they really got a find when they got you, Regina, at Wells Fargo. Thank you, Joyce. I feel the same way. <laughs> exactly. Well, they did. Yes. They got. They got a find there. Uh, so you've obviously accomplished so much in your life already. But if you had to say what you consider your greatest accomplishment, what would that be? Yeah. So what, what I thought about here and what I think about here is I really live as if every day is my canvas and my life's work is the picture that I'm painting on this canvas through helping others. And so it's not just one thing for me. I'm really very, very thankful for the experience that I've had over 18 years. I'm thankful for the companies that invested in my professional development very early on and allowed me to to take some risks in the jobs that I was performing. I am so grateful for the five years of my career that I was able to spend working from primarily outside of the domestic United States in Asia, Latin America, in Europe, um, in uh, developing countries, because that expanded my understanding of not only what it means to be a major corporate player, but what it means to be a global citizen. So, so really, really thankful for that. And as I think about the role that I now play on several nonprofit boards, I'm thankful for the ability to roll my sleeves up and work with people who are solutions-oriented. Um, because as you've mentioned with the work that you're doing, you know, there's so much to be done. The, the, the um, harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. And so being able to, to take what I know and what I've experienced and work uh, with organizations who are really focused in on actions and solutions um, has just been an incredible journey for me. So I feel like my greatest achievement so far is getting the paint on the canvas and looking at it and saying, you know what, that looks pretty good, and just waking up every day and saying, let me see what I can do today to really bring uh, hopefully some hope and some positive change and some assistance to those who are looking to, to make their lives better. Wow. And, you, you know, when you're telling this story, I thought unbelievable because I wrote an article once for the Pittsburgh Business Times, and what it was called was uh, your portrait. Because uh-huh. I said, you know, every day when you're at work, you paint your own portrait. You know, you're mean here or angry. Here comes that red paint. You know, uh-huh. you're envious. Here comes that green paint. And what I was talking about is you're the one. You're the one that creates that portrait. Um, So, you know, that was really a great example uh, that you just gave. Uh, And, you know, I would say you have a great painting. You have a great painting, Regina. Thank you so much, Joyce. Thank you. I'm hoping I get to the end and I can figure out what it is. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, we get up every day with that brush and keep going. Yep, that's for sure. And before we go on to the next question, let's one more time, Regina, uh, tell everyone about the conference, the dates and the location. All right. So we're talking about the U.S. Business Leadership Network's annual conference and expo. It's going to be in Las Vegas, Nevada, 
July 9th through 12th at the Cosmopolitan Hotel, and it's um, going to be divided into five separate educational tracks, and those tracks are marketplace, workplace, supply chain, professional development, and technology. So as you can see, this is a conference that has something for, for everyone included in it. Um, some of the highlights uh, that uh, have been noted for the conference, the keynote speaker this year is Ted Kennedy, Jr., Deputy Majority Leader of the Connecticut State Senate and Board Chair of the American Association of People with Disabilities. Uh, and uh, if you go onto USBLN's website, there's a lot more information um, about the upcoming conference, but we're, we're super excited about it and well underway of making plans for the Wells Fargo team to, uh, to be there and be well represented this year. And hey, everyone, my close friend, Ted Kennedy. What a great speaker he is. I always say, wow, the nephew of the late President John F. Kennedy. But Ted has dedicated his life to disability, as you all know. He lost his leg to cancer. And he is the chair of the board of AAPD, where I'm the vice chair. And Ted carries that DEI banner everywhere he goes. Don't miss it. He will bring down the house. He is so, so good. So, Regina, before we end today, what message would you like to leave with our listeners? Well, before we finish up, I, I, I have to give two shout-outs to two Dobies that Wells Fargo has worked with. And remember, Dobie is doing outstanding business with excellence. The first is Lindsay Hazer, and she owns Avocations LLC, a niche recruiting firm, and she's specializing in job placements. We've been working with Lindsay for a number of years now. We're able to send her up to Tuck for the executive education program, and so I think she's just a great example of uh, how we've been working in this space. And then Mark Ellison, who is the CEO of Gemini, Inc. He has a certified disability-owned business, and he's certified as a service-disabled veteran uh, in a small business, and his organization focuses on packaging design and nationwide uh, fulfillment. And I mentioned those two to close out, Joyce, because this is very much about the hands-on work, not only of supply chain management, but also just the intense focus that an organization uh, needs to have in this space at this time to ensure that we're providing opportunities for qualified organizations like your organization, Joyce, and like Lindsay's and like Mark Ellison's organization. And what I'm hopeful for is that working together, through USBLN and AAPD and other organizations, that we can continue to keep this area uh, on our corporate agendas, and we can also continue to see that measured progress year over year that helps us to understand, hey, it, it's working, and also helps us to understand where we need to focus our efforts. So really excited to be over here at Wells Fargo. Thank you uh, to my great team that, uh, that I get to work with every day. And, hey, I just look forward to taking the next stroke on the canvas and uh, seeing something very beautiful continue to emerge uh, in the work that I'm able to do. You are just so awesome. You know that. Uh, and thank you so much for being with us, Regina. I just loved having you. And remember, folks, on demand, you can go still hear this show on demand and go to BenderConsult.com, download from Apple, iTunes, or go to Voice america.com and with that you know we end every show with a quote and today that quote is change will not come if we wait for some other person 
or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for, said President Barack Obama. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week with my guest from the USBLN, David Casey at CVS. Talk to you then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.